Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. I'm Aaron, and I have a special guest today that I'll introduce in just a moment. I'm really excited about it. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related to it, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts. And that's the principle of Psalm 119, verse 34. And about once a month, I try to have a guest, and these guests are in various locations uh, here in the United States. And these, each of them are individuals that I know. And today, I'm happy to introduce to my listeners uh, my good friend, Stephen Ford. Stephen, what's up? How you doing today? Hey, Aaron. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm glad to be here today with you and to all the listeners. Hello to you all. Thank you so much for being with me, Stephen. It's a delight to have you on here to discuss a most important <coughs> subject, the subject of God's grace. Um, this This subject is inexhaustible i think absolutely but it's necessary to at least begin to understand and to believe to accept and to teach to others you know as christians the grace of god so many things come to my mind when i think about god's grace but for some reason one thing that almost always comes to my mind is the song amazing grace and i i may save that in just a moment we'll talk about that but before we get into the meat of the podcast Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe how we met each other. Uh, well, I am a, um, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I'm a native of Michigan. I lived there virtually my whole life until I moved to Memphis. My wife is also from Michigan. She's from a different area of Michigan, but we're both from that area. And our families knew each other prior to our birth, which is kind of, uh, kind of a cool little fact. Um, but we lived in Michigan. We've been married for 17 years now. Uh, it'll be 17 Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're kind of excited about that. We got two daughters, 14 and 10. They are Savannah and Summer. Uh, and we are presently living in Benton, Arkansas. I've been preaching here at the Highway Church of Christ here in Benton, Arkansas for the last 10 years. It'll be 10 years on Father's Day since I graduated from the Memphis School of Preaching, which is where you and I got to meet. Yep. Uh, we were both a couple of young whippersnappers who were yep. uh, desirous to serve the Lord and to increase in knowledge. And God blessed us with that uh, opportunity to meet there. And so we were friends there at school. But post school, we were, we've been able to cultivate a really rich uh, friendship that has been uh, very, very rewarding. We've been able to spend a lot of time together. So uh, I'm thankful for that experience and then the years that have been following that. Amen. Yeah, me too. In school, as you remember, there's so much going on with study and oh yeah, test and memory work, and it's uh it's hard to spend much time with anyone else besides yourself and your studies. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was uh it was tough just to get time with my family. You know, uh, let yeah. alone you know friendships and that. So most of the friendships that we were able to cultivate there were at the very uh, at the at the best cursory. You yeah. know, uh, and so after school, we've been able to cultivate some of those. Uh, so su- is summer almost 11 this year? Summer will be 11 in August. Yeah, because that, you know, in school, she was how old when Lindsay, my wife, would keep her some during school? What, well, she was... summer was born at school. So yes. she was born in August of 12. Yeah. And so from August of 12 until we moved in June, your wife watched her every day. 
Yeah. Uh, while we were in preaching school, I couldn't remember exactly when it started, but it was shortly after she was a newborn. Yeah, it was probably probably I, September, probably that next yeah. month. I yeah. think Carlisa was off for about a month. Yeah. And then right after that, Lindsay started yeah. watching. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. It's and here about we to be are. eleven years old. Man, isn't that something? And your Time oldest, fourteen. Fourteen. Yes. She. Yes. Man, what a blessing. Also, I would just like to add uh, to that that uh, my oldest daughter, Savannah. Uh, recently was converted and baptized into Christ. And that was one of the great joys of my life, man. Amen. That was an exciting day Amen. for us. Yeah, that's great. Man, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, was I've awesome. been around your daughters just enough to know I can, I can see Savannah's smile, you know. And oh, man. Her, her yeah. laugh and her, yeah. you know, she, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, I know yeah. it was great to see that happen. It was very great and it was unexpected. I'm of the belief I don't want to push my kids. I don't want to, sure. I, I want to cultivate an environment where they have every opportunity to know and to learn and to obey eventually. Yeah. But I don't want to tell them, you know, you're, you're 12 and three months and four days time to get baptized, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was her decision. And many of her peers have been baptized a year or so prior, yeah. but uh, I did not think it was inappropriate that she continued to wait. And yeah. uh, one day it was just a long day. There are lots of things going on. We, I, I said, man, this is enough called a family meeting and we just sat down at the table and talked. And, you know, uh, sometime later, she and her mother went in the room and they talked separately. And uh, they came out. Savannah was just just, just saturated with tears, just crying. Yeah. And Carlisa <laughs> said, I've got some great news. What do you think it is? <laughs> and so we all rejoiced and uh, went over to the building, just the four of us. Yeah. And uh, it was it was great. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I'm yeah, grateful awesome. I can share that with you guys, too. You yeah. were one of the first ones that we shared that with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. Like you said, you want it to be their decision, just like you would with an adult, somebody Absolutely. that's 50 years old. You want, God wants it to be their decision, just like he would, whatever age an individual is when they come to learn about sin and God and salvation and Absolutely. Christ and all those wonderful things. And so, and we're going to be talking about that with God's grace. Right. That's you know, a great segue. It, it is. I mean, to think about God's grace, uh, I said a minute ago, the song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Um, what is grace, Stephen? What, you know, what, what does it mean to say that God is gracious, that God has grace? What, well, go ahead. What, what, what comes to your mind? I, I know there's not always one perfect cookie cutter answer, but there's some concepts that we, that we want to discuss that go along with this that help us to define it. It seems like such a deep subject, you know, that it's it's almost right. daunting to try to handle it. But at the same time, it's not complicated in the sense of understanding the different facets of it. Like you have to look, okay, like the acronym GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Somebody along the way said that, no, no telling who, but God's riches at Christ's expense, you know, just a way to help us to appreciate, mm -hmm. I think, what grace is. But anyhow, back to you. You're my guest. What from scripture, what what is your understanding of what grace is? And 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 what does it mean that God is a gracious God? I like that uh acronym. I had never heard that before. Uh but growing up I heard the the word grace and the way I heard it explained is that grace is God's unmerited favor. And I like that definition. I think it's a good working definition. Uh, but for me, it was insufficient in that I wanted something like I couldn't find the definition in the scriptures. I couldn't turn to this chapter, this verse and find those words to define it. And so uh, uh, several years ago, I set out to see if I could find if there was an actual 
working definition of grace somewhere in the scriptures. And there's lots of talk about what grace does, where uh, its source, its benefits, uh, things of that nature. But I couldn't find a place where I could say this until I came across what I think is a good working definition, at least is the way I use it. And that's in Ephesians mm -hmm. uh, chapter two, uh, a passage that a lot of people are familiar with as it relates to grace. But I would look up just a few verses earlier. Usually when we think of grace, at least as I've had conversations with people over the years, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are kind of the uh, yeah. the bread and butter verses where we would look to. And I don't use that term to be uh, derogatory necessarily, but just to say those are the ones that we really yeah. kind of uh, go to and, and are, are like the, 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 this is the primary place. Yeah. But I would say for me, when I look at the word grace, what does it mean? I would describe grace as God's love, mercy and kindness as it is expressed toward man. Yeah. And I think that Ephesians um, 2, beginning at verse 4 through verse 7, might give us that answer. And if I could read that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. Uh, and I'm be reading from the King James. Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And so in that text, verse four, you have his mercy and his love. Uh, it is uh, there kind of expressed as that's part of his grace, verse five. And then you see another addition to that in verse seven. It says he's extended his kindness. We, we see rather the riches of his grace shown to us uh, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And so uh, the great richness of his grace is expressed also in kindness. Yeah. Uh, and so I think love, mercy and kindness yeah. expressed toward men are, are, is the way that at least I would say this is what grace is. It's yeah. ingredients, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. It all goes together. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4, love. Uh, Ephesians uh, two seven riches, or excuse me, kindness, and then I left out mercy in verse four. Yeah. So he loved us because of his rich, or excuse me, he's rich in mercy because of his great love. Would be a first concept I would grab, and then in verse two, his grace made us alive together. Verse five, and then mm -hmm. in verse six, his grace raised us up together. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things right there. I mean, there's a little sermon outline right there. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That just like you, like I said, the, the the word is so deep and rich. Sometimes I feel like it's a little challenging to like, okay, what is grace and what does it mean and that kind of thing. But when we look at how God has worked, we look at Paul and other writings in Scripture of how they describe it. We can get some type of working definition, as we say. You know, exactly. That it's that, these that things was... put together. You know. That, that's the way that I think that any person should study a word, a topic, a theme is what does the Bible as a whole have to say about that word yeah. uh, and take notes on the various passages. What does it say in that passage? Um, yeah. What is its source? Oh, I see in this passage, it says it's from God. Okay. In this passage, I say, oh, wait a minute. It says through Jesus. Okay. I see in this passage. And so once you get all that down, then you can kind of get a, a holistic look, a panoramic view of Here's all that the Bible has to say. Now, how do I translate and interpret all of this information? Mm -hmm. How do I put it all together into one picture? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the best way to, to try to understand it, especially uh, because, you know, grace, it's all through the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so, like you mentioned, it can be daunting to try to figure out, okay, 
what is grace? And I think the great temptation sometimes can be, let me go find a book on grace and let me see what this yeah. guy says about yeah. grace. And yeah. I'm not against books or, you know, that sort of things. I've referenced books, even as it relates to grace. Uh, however, I wanted to say, let me do my own homework. Yeah. And then I'll reference some of these other gentlemen yeah. after that to, to kind of double check my, my homework, so to speak. Yeah. It's like, well, we, we want our faith to come first and foremost from Scripture. Absolutely. And then when you look at other books, if it supplements Scripture, if it doesn't deride Scripture or, or change what Scripture says, it can supplement to look at other concepts within Scripture, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's your attitude toward God's Word and toward those other books and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, also, we're smart enough in most cases to be able to rationalize and reason for ourselves. There are some areas that we get stuck. There are some phrases that I think is, is good and appropriate to reference other people, but uh, I would not discount my own ability, you know, yeah. to see if I can understand a text. You know, yeah. I, if I can understand the, the general yeah. context of a, of a book of the Bible, then, okay, what is this section talking about? Okay, what about this chapter? Yeah. Now these few verses. And, you know, I think that most people are able to reason in that fashion. Be able yeah, to I think I would venture to say, and I don't want to make the whole podcast episode about this, but I would venture to say that it's pretty common for people professing Christians to read Scripture for a few minutes and then spend many minutes reading someone else explaining that passage. And so it's become my practice that I try to do and teach to others to first spend much time in the Scriptures and take notes and start drawing your own conclusions about grace, for example. Make mm -hmm. those, draw those conclusions from the evidence and text in the text first. Write down mm -hmm. what you truly think it means in its context and how you're understanding what you're reading. And then when you're stumped up on something hard, go to a Bible dictionary. Go, go, you know, mm -hmm. go, go to a trusted person or a trusted source that that can help you. That can maybe illustrate something or point you to other passages or word something in a way that may help you to understand that verse better in its context. And I would emphasize that. And I know you would too. Sure. You know, context is so important. Now you said something about you know the fact that grace is throughout all of Scripture, and I know you and I jotted down a few notes. That, that we shared with each other before we started this podcast. So if you wanted to go in a different order, you let me know. But I know one of the first things was, was the discussion we could have about grace and obedience and back, yeah. at, back, back yonder in the book of Genesis, you know, is the, is it the subject of grace and obedience? One that unfortunately is so misunderstood and so mistaught. What are some things about, for example, Genesis 6, 8, and the story, the account of Noah and grace and obedience, how it works together, that you think more people need to know. They need to know the correct, you know, they need to know the truth about, these particular, about this particular matter, grace and obedience. Well, this goes back to what we just said a few minutes ago. I would encourage any person, when you are reading the Scripture, or seeking to understand it, to spend some time by yourself in the scriptures. Uh, I kind of liken it to being an archaeologist. You get to dig in the scriptures and discover for yourself what is God saying, and you get to find these bones, so to speak, piece of pottery, and put them together and and see the puzzle. You know that I don't want to make the word of God seem like it's mystical, and you know, but it helped you. You can put together the pieces yourself in terms of the context and understand it. Um, and that's part of the great fun and the journey is being able to discover what is God's word saying in this text. 
Yeah. And if you find similar words, circle those words, you know, define those words. You know, you find, hey, this is the same word used over, over and over in this passage. Well, maybe that's important. Let me see how that connects, you know, doing things like that. But mm-hmm. the reason I preface Genesis 6 with that is that I think that many very smart and some maybe even well-meaning people have taken grace and defined it or categorized it in a way that's just unscriptural. Yeah. And that's how we get some of the ideas that we get about grace, that it is uh, this kind of um, oozy spiritual substance that just explains the unexplainable or certain things like that, you know, uh, and it, it's really not. Uh, so grace is not uh, antithetical to the idea of obedience or faith at all. Uh, in fact, Genesis 6 is the ideal place to understand that. Um, now, the idea that obedience earns grace is uh, not uh, scriptural at all. In fact, Genesis 6 is a wonderful place because it demonstrates that prior to obedience, grace was already extended. And so we just look at that text in Genesis chapter 6. In the first, you know, seven verses, uh, basically the world is evil. All of mankind is is evil and wicked. Verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And in verse six, it repented the Lord that he had even made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. So sin, of course, breaks God's heart. He saw that man had basically ruined himself and the culture and the environment. And God was devastated at what he saw. And he's going to destroy the whole world. But there was a person that he saw in the midst of all of that wickedness who was living a faithful life. Now, that doesn't mean that Noah somehow could look up to the heavens and say, now you owe me grace. Right. No. He says, and notice what it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So it was God's to be able to extend in the first place. Yeah. And he found it because he was this faithful person living in an unfaithful environment, culture, world. Um, and so looking at all of this, God says to Noah, uh, the end, verse 13 the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he tells Noah, here now, Noah, is a way for you to escape. Now, this is God's grace being extended. Yeah. God extends grace. And as we look before in Ephesians, God's love, mercy, kindness extended to a man. He's extending love, mercy and kindness to Noah. Yeah, because Noah didn't deserve it. He had not done anything to earn it. God didn't owe it to him. When it says that he found favor in God's eyes, doesn't mean because he was sinlessly perfect that God was gracious to him because he was sinlessly nothing like that. We wouldn't. No, no one claims sinless perfection. We that's so understood, but sometimes it still needs to be said to illustrate the truth. You know, but Noah found it because God was gracious. Absolutely. He found it was available because of who God was. Is that that kind of what you're thinking there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Grace is an outpouring of God's love, Mm -hmm. God's mercy and God's kindness. That's what it is. And that's its source. And it is an outpouring of the nature of God. Yeah. It's not like God is holding back this grace. And then, you know, it's like, you know, you go and turn in the coupon. Well, they've got to give it to you. They've got to honor your coupon. 
because yeah. you know you you bringing it in. And uh-huh. It's not like Noah walked up to God one day in heaven and said, "Hey, here's my righteousness. Now you build me the ark." Yeah. You know, no, yeah. it's not that way. And I don't think there's any right thinking person who has ever said that. I, I've never heard a person yeah. say that. But right. I think that sometimes it can come across that way uh, when not parsed out completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got to look at the fact that God generated um, this grace that is to show his love, mercy, kindness to, to Noah and saying, I'm going to destroy the world, but I'm going to give you a way out. Grace also, uh, by the way, and we can talk about this a little bit later, is instructive and informative. It's not just this mystical ooze that just you know overwhelms you and saves you. It is instructive, yeah. You know, uh, and specific. Uh, and so when God tells Noah yeah. uh, here in um, in those first, let's see, starting with verse number uh, thirteen and in, in, or fourteen, excuse me, and going on, make the ark of gopher wood. He gives him the dimensions and tells him what to do. Tells him about the animals. Uh, Verse 22 of Genesis 6 is is one of the key passages. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Uh, And so Noah and his family were saved. Noah and his family obeyed everything that God said because of God's plan. So it's God's plan, God's salvation. Noah obeys it. Noah Mm -hmm. does not earn it. Yeah. Uh, Noah, he, he had probably no idea about what an ark is or what an ark was. Yeah. Uh, and so he does exactly what God says, and he's able to receive exactly what God had devised for him, which was salvation from uh, that impending judgment that was coming on the people. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see there how grace and obedience that God's, and you said, and we can go into that if you want to. That's fine with me. You know, God's grace teaches. God was gracious toward Noah. That grace gave him the time and the opportunity, the instruction about the ark, wherein he and his household would be delivered from the, you know, from the death, from the tragedy below in the waters. God's grace instructed him. He couldn't say to those instructions, I don't care, or I don't want them, you know, or I don't have to do it. I mean, I, if you want to go down this path for a minute with me, you know, whatever, I want, I'd want. I want uh, my guests to be able to talk about some of the things that they had on their mind about these subjects. But, you know, it's such a common thing that we deal with in teaching the gospel. Uh, the, the idea of, you know, no conditions or something. You've got that extreme. Then you've got the extreme of, of, of seeking to earn as though God right. owes us. And both extremes are wrong. Both ideas are, are incorrect. They're not scriptural or biblical concepts. Uh, you know, no one would say that, that Noah did this all on his own. It was at God's instructions. It was his mercy, his love, his kindness. And then Noah had to make a decision. And when he acted, that was his faith. Um, I think Hebrews 11, I've I've been saying this a lot lately. Hebrews 11 is, it really, my working definition comes from Hebrews 11 of faith. Faith is the action that you take based on what you believe. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I think, I think, you know, and with that definition, everyone has faith, everyone, unbelievers, atheists. The difference is what do they believe? You know, if faith is the action that you take based on what you believe, because so often in scripture, what we see is a juxtaposition or a contrast between faith and unbelief. 
Faith mm-hmm. is always obedience because it acts. And then disobedience is unbelief. You know, you see yeah. that in the book of Hebrews and other places, Hebrews chapter three and four and so forth. Noah acted. No, he didn't earn. Right. But God's grace has instructed him. So it was, it was, it is true to say Noah had to do what God said. He couldn't, he oh, couldn't absolutely. shirk God's instructions, you know. Yeah, he couldn't say, man, t- I, I appreciate this this grace, but man, yeah. look, it's gonna take forever to build this ark. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm gonna just build a, a boat because yeah. I don't want to have all those animals. Uh, you know, yeah. that was not going to work. And I'm glad you used some of the terminology you used, which will take us to probably another passage. But no, you I have don't. his obedience, but grace is only accessed by trusting God or faith. So, and you mentioned Hebrews eleven six or uh, uh, Hebrews eleven, but in verse seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And so he he demonstrated. I believe what God said. Yeah. I believe that God's going to do exactly what He said He's going to do. And I, on both sides, yeah. I believe He's going to bring destruction, and I yeah. believe He's going to bring salvation. Yeah. And so with believing that he moved in the right way and did what God said he uh, was supposed to do and thereby was able to enjoy the fruit of uh, God's grace. Uh, and on the other side of that, if we choose to ignore God's grace or access it in a way that God has not prescribed, yeah, there is condemnation on the other side of that. And we, we can look at that a little bit. I, I want to, just um, maybe take a little bit of time. We uh, we talked a little bit about accessing God's grace, mm-hmm. and in that passage where we were a few minutes ago, yeah, uh, we can go back there in Ephesians two, but dropping down, uh, following right where we were in verses, you know, three through seven. In there, we can now go to verses eight and nine. Uh, For by grace you are saved through faith, and then he says. Just what we've been ex- explaining, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Well, what is the gift of God? Grace. Are we sure we can parse that out? Yeah. Genesis chapter six demonstrates it. Yeah. It, it, it. It exemplifies it. It shows an actual demonstration of this. Uh, previously in verses, you know, three through seven or four through seven, excuse me, of the book of Ephesians. This is kind of like the formula. He's giving a description, yeah. but then we see it demonstrated for us in uh, Genesis chapter six, uh, how Noah is saved by grace, but through his faith in what God was saying, he was moved. And so then uh, if that's true, and it is, we would find evidence of that, which Hebrews eleven seven does for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, verse eight, four is the Greek word gar. It's an explanation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you said, it's not a prescription, but a description right. of what has happened. It's like it's like you said, mercy, love, and kindness. And he reminds them, this is this is this is what this is how you've been saved. Exactly. You've been saved by God's grace through faith. Mm-hmm. And 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 salvation, that it's a gift of God. The the the, the basis of salvation is not works. Lest right. someone can say, you know, I've achieved that. You know, I originated right. that. I earned it. I deserved it and so forth. And there's other passages that kind of 
tie in with this, like salvation being a gift. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right. And, and, and earlier in chapter six, you know, he, he, he details how they had obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine, yeah. Verse Romans like 17 6, 17 and 18. So, yeah. so, so I take that to mean in the context that when they obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine, they were gifted salvation. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, one of the, one of the things about um, grace is, is I think that sometimes we go to one side of the uh, pendulum and that we would exclude God's part and only put emphasis sometimes on just obedience, obedience, obedience. Yes. And it sounds as though we're saying obedience earns us grace, yeah. which is not biblical. That That's not true. Right. Um, but then I think that's because some are afraid of saying that grace is uh, God's gift that cannot be earned. God offers it freely to all men. It is inexhaustible, Romans chapter 5. Uh, and so the temptation is it will be taken advantage of because it is so great. And Paul understood that perfectly. Yes. Because he would say in Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because the idea is, wait a second. What if I've got 10 sins? There's more than enough grace. Yeah. But what if I got a hundred more than enough grace? So the idea that somebody might say, well, man, hey, look, I could just keep sinning because God's grace is inexhaustible. Yeah. And that is how good his grace is. Now, that is not the appropriate response. Right. But if I continue to repent of my sins, God can continue to forgive me. His grace is not exhaustible in the same way that Jesus would say, listen, if somebody sins against you seven times in a day and seven times a day they come to you and they repent, what are we to do? Say, oh, I'm fresh out of forgiveness. Right. No. no, we're to demonstrate the same sort of graciousness that God extends toward us yeah. and be loving, kind, or loving, kind, and merciful toward yeah. them as we have opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what gives people the this idea sometimes, oh, we, we've got to hit the brakes on what it really is so that people don't take advantage of it. No, yeah. we don't. Let it be what it is. Let it be what it is. And you can do just like Paul and teach what it means when you die to sin and repentance and baptism. Ex he, he, that's, that's what he that's what he reminds them of in verse two. You know, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Exactly. And, and, you know, and then and then he says, you know, we've been raised from baptism to walk a new life. Verse four. We have been united together in the likeness of his death. The old man has been crucified. Verse six. Uh, and then the verse eight, if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. And again, verse 11, I think is key 11 and 12 reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. That's it, he's addressing in, in chapter six, the way they're to think about themselves and their lives. Yes, You're dead to sin, but alive to God. So don't let sin reign in your body. You can't say, Oh, well, because there's so much grace, grace is so great. I can keep sinning. No, if you think that way, you're, you're not going to access the forgiveness. That's not, that's, not, that's not the way that it works. And that's why he says, but God be thanked. You were slaves of sin and unrighteousness. Now you're the slave of righteousness because a snapshot in time, at that one point in time, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. And I love verse 19. Or, uh, yeah, verse 19, the very end. So now present yourselves 
your members rather, as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So now what? So now that you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. So now that you've died to sin. So that's the balance there, like what you're talking Absolutely. about. It's, Absolutely. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. And we need to remember that. And on, the other, and on the other hand, it, it can't be that there are no conditions. God doesn't. And that's right. what I wish more people could understand, that if God spells out the gospel this way, because he's the one that justifies Romans 8, he gets to name the terms. He gets to define grace. So often we deal with people because of the influences of Calvinism and other such things. They try to define the terms. Mm-hmm, and if right, you can define right. the terms, you've changed scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got to be very careful to, to define yes. terms and and really be careful to look at a general context. You know, yep. each like, for example, we're talking about Romans presently. Yep. Romans has a very specific context. However, that does not uh, abrogate the context of the entirety of scripture. Yeah. So what do I mean by that? So when I look at grace, you just referenced uh, Romans 6, 19. So therefore, since we are saved by grace, we should yield our our members, our body as servants of righteousness. Grace also instructs us to live a certain kind of way. It doesn't say you're saved. Go be buck wild. Right. Uh, you know, do anything you want to do now because now you're in the saved category and you can never be outside of yeah. this category. Yeah. Uh, which if we could just quickly yeah, go ahead. look over at um, Titus chapter 2. And there's several things that this passage teaches, one of which we can look at uh, is that God's grace has a standard and it instructs. Yeah. Uh, we can't just say, well, I'm saved and boom, I'm going to do whatever I want. It says in, in verse 11, beginning with well, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. That is to say, instructing us, informing us of something. What is it teaching us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. What else should we be doing? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing uh, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is a way, when I'm saved by grace, it doesn't mean just be lawless. Yeah, right. His grace compels and uh, has an expectation. It instructs that my life now should be sober, righteous, and godly. Yeah. Not in heaven. It's not like I'm going to wait till heaven and live X. You know, because yeah, we, we can't be sinless here, so it's okay. It's don't right. beat yourself over the head. Okay, no, don't beat yourself over the head, but we're commanded to give God our best. Absolutely. We're expected to give God our best. We can't do that. We can't hide our sin with this. Well, God knows my heart, so it's okay yeah. if I live in sin. No, it mm-hmm. is true. God knows our hearts. And if we're living in sin, he knows our hearts are not right with him. That's that's the scary Absolutely. thing that God wants people to know, that that we as teachers of God's word want people to know. If we if we try to hide our sin and say grace is going to cover it, it's okay if I live this way because God knows my heart as though we don't have to live a penitent life or a life that bears fruit worthy of repentance, Acts 26, 20. Right. That, that's a cop-out. That's an excuse. On the other hand, again, I think this is so worthy of talking about. On the other hand, it's not this extreme. I have to achieve sinless perfection in order to receive God's grace and forgiveness. No, 
No, God's grace and forgiveness is in a location. It's in Christ. Right, exactly. Not by sinless perfection. Exactly. That that that's the um and, and by the way, by the way, even in the Old Testament, all the grace that was ever going to be extended to man was always on account of Christ. That's where I guess that acronym that you mentioned earlier, uh, yeah. God's yeah. riches at Christ's expense. Um, that's absolutely true. And uh, for evidence of that, in, in uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9, Paul would write here, speaking of God who has saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So before the world began, it was any grace that was going to be extended was on account of Christ. So when Noah received grace or found rather grace in the eyes of the Lord, that was on behalf of Christ that would come. That makes me think of Romans three, you know, that absolutely God, God passed over those sins. Is he just, and was he just in doing that? Yes. Because of Jesus and the gift, the gift of Jesus, the life and the death of Jesus, you know, to demonstrate his forbearance and his righteousness so that, that he could be the justifier of those that have faith in Christ. That is uh, one of my favorite passages there in Romans chapter 3. I mean, is it not true that all people who have ever lived and been saved were saved by grace through faith? I, I certainly think that that's the case because Abraham is used as an example in Romans chapter 4 of an individual Absolutely. who's saved by grace through faith. Absolutely. I, I, uh, any person that has been saved, one, has been saved by grace because God so yep. deemed that it was going to happen yeah, or it could happen. It was only because of God that yep. any salvation can come to any man, period. And any salvation that ever came to man was always going to be uh, by faith in God and ultimately through Jesus Christ. And I think that um, the book of Hebrews, as you mentioned, chapter 11 points that out. But I would even back up just a little bit and looking uh, at Hebrews chapter 10 as it goes into chapter 11. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul, or excuse me, the Hebrews writer here, I'm thinking of uh, Romans again. Uh, he quotes from Habakkuk 2 uh, when judgment is coming on the people. There was nothing that they could do about that. Judgment was going to come. But there were individuals who wanted to have the the salvation that God was offering. They were going to have to trust in him. And he says uh, in that passage, uh, beginning of verse 37, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. This is the judgment that God was saying. This is a direct quote from Habakkuk chapter two, verses three and four. But then he says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Yep. So there was going to be faith so that the soul could be saved. In the very next verses, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And um, he's, he's demonstrating the process through which man accesses God's grace and has always been from the Old Testament to the New. By, uh, by faith.
That's right. Absolutely. And that, that faith leads a person to the right location. You know, right, the passage right. you mentioned a moment ago of Second Timothy 1, 9, and the last phrase says, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Right. See, it's amazing. There's a, there's a special location where faith leads a person. Again, if faith is the action that we take based on what we believe and what we believe is Christ and his word, then it will move us to the right location, which is in Christ, wherein salvation is found. That's where grace is accessed. Grace is enjoyed. Uh, it's very fundamental, very basic, but so critical that, mm -hmm. that we understand that grace is accessed through Christ, in Christ, by Christ, because of Christ. And yeah. when we understand what faith is, when we hear God's word, if what we believe is God's word, that is Christ, then we can be in the right location where we can enjoy this salvation that God intended for all of mankind from the beginning of the world where he intended, Oh, absolutely. you know, and, and there, there's so much here, you know, I don't know if there's something else you want to add to that. Um, well, I would just say that on there's, there's another side of the coin. We are not saying that you have to, and I know we've said it, but I want to really, really clarify that we are not saying that you earn grace that was one of the mistakes of the Pharisees mm -hmm. that they were thinking, Hey, look, I've kept the law. So now I must be saved. And Paul referenced that in a fee or excuse me, Galatians two, where he says at verse 20 beginning, I am crucified with Christ. Now I believe what Paul is doing here is he's rehearsing his conversion in a nutshell, sort of a thing, dying to Christ, Romans 6, being made alive in Christ, you know, mm -hmm. because of Christ coming up uh, from the waters of baptism. So he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live uh, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So he's saying, look, if I'm saying that I'm accessing God's grace because I'm keeping the law well, then Jesus died in vain. So there's a way then to, he uses the term frustrate, to have the wrong idea about accessing God's grace. And we are, again, we are not saying that you earn your way in. Right. You, you, uh, 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 you can work your way in. You do so much. Again, in Rome, uh, Galatians 5, 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. Yeah. So this is a way to actually push grace away if you're saying, I'm earning it. Yeah. I've done so much by keeping X number of rules that now God has, to, I, I've merited yeah. you know, this grace. Yeah, that same, that same concept is true of, uh, you know, attempting to be baptized in water you know, for the forgiveness of sins. If our heart is saying, you know, if our heart when we're being baptized is saying, I'm earning it, it's not going to work. Absolutely, <laughs> That's not the way it's not. Yes. Christ commands baptism in his name for the remission of sins. Acts two thirty eight and other passages teach that Absolutely. same concept. But if a person thinks their receipt that they are um, earning it or they're putting God in a position where he owes it to them and something like that, you know, the thing about law or, keeping law or works galatians 3 21 
you know, the law of Moses was, was super good. It bothers me that people speak negatively about the old Testament. Sometimes they say, oh, well, absolutely. it was, it was bad. Cause it didn't, it didn't forgive. It didn't justify. It didn't, it, it did exactly what almighty God wanted it to do. Absolutely. God never tricked perfect. the people into thinking that it would, that it justified them. He did tell them that they were forgiven when they obeyed him in Leviticus. And they would be forgiven. Absolutely. They, but they it, were, but forgiven. he never, but he never said justified. If you'll notice that right the way he did use justification, like with Abraham, his faith that acted, he believed God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He right. was justified. He was made right. That's the justification. Galatians 3.21, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But Absolutely. it's not that way. A person cannot be saved by law, by works. And that's in this context. We can't, it's not the the, the law could not give life. So what can Christ Absolutely. Christ can give life. Only the sacrifice of Christ gives life. And that does not mean as I've heard it taught, that does not mean that Jesus did it all on the cross. And that means you don't have to do anything because if you do anything, you're adding to what Jesus did. No doing what Jesus did is accepting the person and the process of that person. When a person does what Jesus says in faith, that's not negating or taking away from what he did on the cross. Absolutely. It's accepting the person on the cross. Mm -hmm. It's accepting that you can't save yourself and that the only way to be saved is the way the Lord Jesus said, and that would include what he said through his apostles as he guided them through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we can't we can't do that again can't go to either extreme on this matter about grace because when we do we're missing the richness of what grace is and we're also pitting jesus against jesus we are you know we're, we're putting verse against verse by saying oh we're saved by grace that means you know nothing at all that well, means then, if you that means if you do anything you're saying uh, jesus down on the cross was not enough Exactly. I hear denominational preachers say that all the time. I'm not impugning their motives or their own intentions, but I hear that said often. I hear their congregants say that often because yeah. they've been led to believe that. If you do anything, anything, you're adding to the sacrifice, and then they turn right around and say, but you got to have faith. Okay, you just right. contradicted yourself. Well, some will say, but God gives you faith. Exactly. God puts the faith in your heart, which kind of, again, takes the onus off of them, which, of course, the scriptures very plainly demonstrate that faith is yeah. something that we do as a response to what we've heard, Romans 10, 13 right. to 17, uh, hearing the message of Christ. Yeah. But we we just have to be careful to just let the Bible. My, my, one of my favorite phrases, look, forget all the other stuff. Yeah. Just what does the Bible say? You, you wouldn't learn from the scriptures that Jesus did it all on the cross. And that means you don't have to respond. Now, again, the way that they often say is, well, and in, in John 1930, Jesus said it is finished. The word means complete. He did it all. And that's, that's where they try to get that. Okay. If that means that's all they needed to do, why do we have, or they didn't have to do anything. Why do we have all the letters? Why, do, why do we have right. Acts chapter two? Why didn't Peter, who was directly guided by the Holy Spirit, when they actually said, what shall we do? 
why didn't he clear the air for all time and say, you've got it all wrong. Mm -hmm. You've got it all wrong. There is absolutely nothing you have to do. Absolutely. Jesus did it all. And if you do anything, if you believe, if you read your Bible, if you walk to the church building to learn the Bible, if you repent, if you're baptized, if you do anything, you are adding to the sacrifice and you're damned for that. And why didn't he just say that? Why did he respond with, here's how you call on the name of the Lord. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. The gymnastics, the theological gymnastics that people try to do, it is so sad. It is, and we've been used the to hearing some things, and we let them get away with some of that stuff. I know the gymnastics that people try to do with Acts two thirty. It doesn't mean it's for the remission of sins, looking toward the remission. It's looking back. So you mean to tell me Jesus is telling them that God's grace is unconditional? They didn't have to do anything, and instead of Peter just saying that, he convolutedly said, "Repent and be baptized." Yeah, it it, it doesn't make sense. I, it the, uh, doesn't. I always, when a person makes statements of that nature, I always, let's do this. You, We both have answers in a mathematical equation behind the equal sign. Yeah. So show the math. You know, when I was a kid, you couldn't turn to the back of this book and get the answer yep. and just write it in. The teacher would always say, show me your work. And so when you look at a passage, you know, Jesus said, it is finished. Okay. Some would say that's the work of redemption. That means everything. Nobody has to do anything. Okay. I say... It means Jesus is talking about his work. So can we demonstrate either one? Let me show my work. Well, I'll turn to John chapter 17 with Jesus' own words to Jehovah in a prayer where Jesus says he has finished the work that God sent him to do. So Jesus is ultimately saying in my estimation, when he says it is finished, what's finished, Jesus? Oh, the work that you sent me to do. How do we know that? You told Jehovah that that, that's what the case was. And so if someone believes something other than that, that's fine. Yeah. Can you demonstrate that from the scriptures and show? And in, in Acts chapter 2, well, he's saying um, uh, the forgiveness of sin because of uh, be baptized because you're already forgiven. And again, that's fine. You say that, I say it's the other. Let's both show our math. Yeah. Well, let's look at the exact same terminology yeah. out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, who everybody would acknowledge is the Son of God. When Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 26, uh, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So I asked the question, is Jesus saying, I shed my blood because sins were already forgiven? Or is Jesus saying, I'm shedding my blood so that or in yeah. order for sins to be able to be forgiven? Yeah. I don't think a right thinking person would say, no, sins were forgiven before the cross. Right. And so if you have the exact same wording that. Peter actually quotes yes, because he was present when Jesus was saying these words. Yep. I think that the math, so to speak, demonstrates yep. that the baptism is in order to have the remission of sins. Yep. Yeah, and, and, not, and, and it's not taking away. It is, it is the opposite. It's underscoring God's grace. Yep. Just like in the days of Noah, God said, I'm going to save you, Noah. If you yep. build this boat and get in it with your family, yep. Noah did that. God saved him. That was the mathematical equation. I, I, and I don't like the rabbit trail that's often taken by, you know, by many. The idea that, well, if you get baptized, that's a work and we're not saved by works. And it's like, 
it's just arguing in circles when you say that. Cause like, it, and, and then it turns into an argument of, well, what's your definition of work? And we, she, you know, and I, it's like, okay, so if work is effort, and, and that's what a prominent denominational person here in our town that we have faced publicly, that's what they have said. Well, that, that you know, it, it's work. It's any work that you do. Then it turns into a game. Like, okay, so do you have to read the Bible? Do you have to, Well, that's work. Sure. That's energy. That's ergos. Yeah. That's work. So does God read? Well, God grant. Hey, God gifts it to you. So does God read the Bible for you? Does God go to church for you? Does God decide? No, he don't decide for you. It's still free will. It gets so convoluted because when yeah. you're, if you're set against something, if you've molded in your mind already that grace cannot include the conditions that God wants to include, you're going to go to any length to defend that presupposition. Yeah. And, you know, I want my listeners, you know, to, to think about that. Most of the people that listen to this, I think are new Testament Christians, but I hope some of these things will help them further in trying to, to, sure. to be able to dialogue with people to help them understand that, that what, what they're actually doing is they're, they're building a pseudo-righteousness. They're saying, we don't have to do what Jesus said for the reason Jesus said to do it. And Isn't the, that and the, exactly and the, what Romans 10 teaches? Yeah. That's exactly what Romans 10 teaches. There was a group of people who were trying to establish their own righteousness. Yeah. And they had not yielded to the righteousness of God. Listen, yeah. you don't have to be smart. You just have to be obedient and faithful and trust God. God said Look, if God said, if you make a blueberry cobbler, then you can go to heaven. Yeah. I don't care if you're allergic. Yeah. If you don't like, if blackberries are in seat, God said right. blueberry cobbler. And it doesn't matter what we yeah, think. Yeah. Do we believe in that authority or do we try to su supplant that authority by saying, Absolutely. no, you don't have to do that. Because if you do anything, that's working. And Man, you God. can't work. You don't have to work. You don't have to do what God said. It's redefining everything the way it's you want to break based on that presupposition. And I think there is work in baptism, 100%. But here's yep. the question. Who's working? Yeah. Who's working in baptism? Yeah. Now, am I working or is God working? And the, and the Bible demonstrates that we yep. only submit to baptism. That, that's that's something that's done to us. Be baptized. Be baptized. Exactly. So what happens when I'm baptized? Yep. Well, the Bible says... The Bible talks about baptism in many ways, or, or there, there are several ways that baptism is um, kind of talked about, uh, described in certain ways. And mm -hmm. so when you think about it, what happens? Well, in baptism, Acts 2.38, I know my sins are forgiven. Yep. Now, that's not something I'm doing. In Acts 2, or excuse me, 22 and verse 16, my sins are washed away. Yep. That's not something that I'm doing. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 47, what happens? God is adding me to the church. That's not something I'm doing. In Colossians chapter 2, uh, 10, 11, 12 in there, what's happening? Well, yep. God is working yep. on my soul. What's yep. he doing to my soul? He's washing it free of its sin. Yep. And he's adding it to the church that Jesus built. Yep. That's the only working in baptism. All I'm doing is saying, God, I believe what you said. Yep. When you said that you would save me, Mark 16, 15 and 16, when Jesus said, if I hear that message about him and I trust what he says and I'm baptized that I'm going to be saved. All I'm saying is, Jesus, I trust you enough to take your word. Amen. Just yeah. like just like Noah. 
And it's not being presumptuous. It's not being arrogant, saying, look at me, I'm going to work my way to heaven. It's the exact opposite. It is in humility saying, I know that I can't save myself. Only Jesus can. Jesus, what did you say about me being saved? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. That's it. If God had not wanted any conditions, he would, he could, he could have and would have said that very clearly. Like think of the number of times that the question, what must I do, was asked. A, no, a number of times in scripture yeah. where that question was asked in different, you know, in different, different con- wording, in different wording and different concepts, you know, um, let's see. I'm trying to find it here very quickly. Let's there's see. Acts 2, there's Acts yeah. it, uh, 17. Yeah. You, you, uh, Act, was, uh, that, uh, was that 17? Yeah. Or you got Acts, six, I think 16, Acts 16 with the Philippian Jader. Yes, 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 I, I said do. 17, 16, yes. I was trying to put my finger on a little note that I had put together recently, but you know, sometimes when you need it, if you think on, if you think of it on the spur of the moment, you, you're probably not going to find it. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, yeah. but uh, I'd recently, recently jotted down the different times when individuals ask, what must they do? And even before the cross, you know, when Jesus was asked by the rich young ruler, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus could have settled the score forever. Mm-hmm. If there were no conditions, he could have said, you don't have to do anything. Why are you attempting to be saved by obeying God? Why do you think it's conditional? He, he mm-hmm. could have settled the score for all time on this matter. Yeah, and he could have said, just wait a couple of weeks, man. I'm going to be on the cross pretty soon. It, it'll yeah, be fine. And you, don't, and you don't have to do nothing. Instead, he said, you know the commandments. <gasps> Why did Jesus point to commandments that he had to do? Why? If you don't have to do God's commandments. You know, here's the thing. We've talked a lot about that for a little while. And we'll start. We'll begin to start to try to wrap it up. We've been going 57 minutes. That's incredible, isn't it? Seems like only five. I know. Well, over the next maybe five or ten minutes, we'll start drawing this to a close. If you want to. Sure. I know. I know. Again, both of these ideas are so important. I feel like because we've been passionately bouncing back and forth between the two, and I've loved it. I mean, you you can't look at God's grace as there's no conditions. On the other hand, God's grace does not require that we be sinlessly perfect because we cannot achieve sinless perfection to receive God's grace. Grace is in a certain location. It's in Christ. That's incontrovertible. Ephesians 1.3 says, A-L-L, all spiritual blessings. That would include grace. That would include justification. Are in Christ. And, and it's not complicated. At least two, what, three times in the New Testament where it explicitly states how a person gets into Christ. Yeah, it's very yeah, clear. It, it's two places that, that demonstrate that. Yes, and I, I would say that grace is because of Christ. Uh, I think we we read that uh, all grace is always because of and through Christ. Second Timothy one nine, uh, and God's grace is extended to everybody. Yep. We mentioned the passage in Titus uh, chapter two a little bit earlier. Every person has access to God's grace. Yep. Every single person made in God's image that takes in oxygen, we are all 
available to have access to God's grace. Yep. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Yep. Will you access it? And it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, the person who's drowning and there's a, a you know, the, the little donut raft there or the uh, lifesaver there, grab the lifesaver, you know, put on the life vest, get in the boat, wh- whatever analogy you want to use, you know, yep. um, get to where salvation is. Yeah. God is, is pleading with us to be saved. And, and you know, um, we have a wonderful example of that with um, the rich man and Lazarus. He's like, look, man, please send Lazarus back to my brothers. You know, I know if they see somebody come back from the dead, you know. No, they have. What do they have? He didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. They've got grace, <laughs> which means they have to do nothing. Right. No, they have Moses and the prophets. Well, what does that mean? Well, they have the word of God. Yeah. What's the word of God instruct us? Genesis makes it clear. Yeah. It's always been by faith. Yeah. It's always been by faith in God that man can be saved always. And let's, uh, let's continue. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's continue that thought. I want to add something to it about. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, we'll start closing with this. Romans chapter four. I want us to consider this before we close this thing up. Romans chapter four. The first so many verses, I'm going to read it. When we talk about the other side of the coin, trusting in God, having faith in God, taking action, the action that you take based on what you believe. Well, if you believe God, what will you do? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So that means this to the first century reader. Abraham was justified without the old law, without the Mm -hmm. Mosaic law. Without the law of Moses. Without circumcision that was a part of the key part of the law, etc., And now I think in verses 4 and 5 that are all so often brutally abused. In my opinion, they're misunderstood by the Lord's church sometimes. Mm. Verses 4 and 5 addresses attitude about obedience. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the person to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute impute sin. And then he continues the thought about, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or, or upon the uncircumcised also? And he goes back to Abraham. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How was it accounted? Was it accounted while he was circumcised? No, while he was still uncircumcised, right? And, and we could continue on with that thought. It's a beautiful thought. I'm not, I don't want to take away from God's word. You know, there's more to say. But if you, I think a good illustration, I heard this uh, from, from a friend of mine. If, if you take two people 
that are in the church, and I think the brethren here at Washington Avenue have heard me say this before. You take two people that are members of the church. They're faithful members, and externally it looks like they're the same. Both guys are literally 95 years old. Both of them literally obeyed the gospel when they were 20 years old. They lived for 75 years serving Jesus Christ. There were many external works. You know, much faith was demonstrated on their part. But one, one of the guys, one of the brothers, he reckoned his righteousness as a wage. The other brother reckoned his work as fulfilling God's will. Like James says in James 2, mm-hmm. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and it fulfilled the scripture. Mm-hmm. There's a great difference. And from my understanding of this passage in James, there is a damning difference. If we trust in our obedience as a wage, that we are obeying God as a wage. We, we know what a wage is. Mm-hmm. You go to work, you put in the time, you do what you're supposed to, and you earn a wage. If that's the way we look at our salvation, we ain't going to make it. Mm-hmm. We are not going to make it. I mean, I know that sounds so strong and maybe harsh to some people, but I truly believe that's what this is teaching. It's not teaching that if you sit by and don't act on what God says, you'll be blessed. You don't have to do what God said the way God said it for the reason he said to do it and that kind of... That's not. He's not saying faith only as is so often detailed in Scripture, or excuse me, detailed you know, in the religious world and denominationalism. Sure. He's saying to the person who works as a wage, grace is not, count, it's not counted as grace, it's a debt. You don't earn it like a wage. But if you work in faith, if you obey God in faith, your faith is accounted for righteousness like David, like Abraham. And so that what I want to do is what I'm trying to do is underscore the emphasis or emphasize rather the, the, necess- the absolute necessity of completely believing and trusting in God for who he is and what he has said, trusting in him. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, without that kind of faith, like Enoch and others yeah. who acted, their action based on what they believe, without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but Calvinism and those affected by Calvinism can't be saved. Not in Calvinism, because they believe that you can't seek God. You can't come to God. But Hebrews says, Hebrews writer, that we must seek him. The scriptures actually demonstrate that God can be sought. That's right. Uh, When when Paul is preaching in in Acts 17, he says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him. And find him. Yep. Yep. I heard a fellow several years ago, he was a member of the Lord's Church, several years ago in the home Bible study, we were having six or eight of us. He said, no, you, you can't seek God and find him. You can't seek. The passage demonstrates that you can. Absolutely. God, in fact, wants us to find him. In fact, he's made every effort 
to yeah. make it possible for That's us to right. find him. So yeah. much so that he said, I'm going to send myself in flesh in the person of Jesus. Yep. So that we can see, seek and find him. Yep. Um, if, if I could just put a, you know, maybe a nutshell on the things that we talked about, at least from my perspective, yeah, absolutely. I would encourage any person to be uh, holistic and honest with their Bible study. You know, uh, there are all sorts of free Bible softwares that are available. Um, uh, you can buy an old fashioned concordance, uh, what have you, but look up the word grace, just see what the Bible says about it. I think it yes. was, some 180 times or something like that, the Greek word is used, 130 of them translated grace, a couple others favor in other words. Yeah. But it's worthwhile to invest time in that study and understand it for yourself. Yeah. Does grace mean that you do zero? Or does grace mean that there is a responsibility and a reaction? Yeah. Uh, does grace require one to access it? Yeah. Or is it simply... Uh, like a tractor beam, it just locks onto us, and there's nothing that we can do. And, and without any person's input, just from a, one's own intellect, just read the scriptures and ask yourself, what is God saying in this text? And yeah. look at all those uh, passages and verses, and take notes on them. Once you finish that, look at your notes and see what is God saying. Yeah, and make an intelligent, informed response. And I think that if you do that, at least the passages that we even talked about today, uh, if you just looked at those, you know, uh, Genesis 6, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, especially those first two, three chapters, uh, Titus chapter 2, Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 4, yep. uh, Galatians 2, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, those those books are very clear, yep. at least as far as I see them on what the Bible is saying. And so I'd encourage every person to um, be honest with the text. Yeah. Be honest and let God speak on behalf of his own salvation. I think, the I think the best advice we can give ourselves and others is to spend less time in the writings of others and spend more time in God's Absolutely. writings. That's Absolutely. the best. That doesn't mean you can't ever read or look at it, but we would be much better off if we spent more time reading God's writings than mm -hmm. man's writings. Be yeah, I'm thankful for man's writings in many ways. I I, I've got a library, Aaron, of nearly 2,000 books. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very thankful for all mm -hmm. of those books. The overwhelming majority are Bible-related books mm -hmm. on various topics mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Uh, commentaries, many of them. Uh, however, I have to spend the majority of my time asking myself, asking myself, what is God saying as I read the text? Mm -hmm. uh, and then in those places where I may find that I'm unable to ascertain what God is saying, then I may reference three, four, five, or six different books, look at them, get a compilation of various opinions, measure them against what I have already found and understood, and try to come out with an informed opinion. Um, but, you know, on things like grace, I would, I would dare to say that we probably don't need a commentary. Yeah on that because there, there's so much written. It'd be, it'd be yeah. different if it's just one very obscure verse and <laughs> a word that's only yeah. mentioned one time and it's very, very difficult to understand. And there are yeah. some passages like that. Yeah. Um, and so there's some answers that the, the questions that the answer just, I don't know, yeah. but I don't think grace is one of those. Yeah. Any final thoughts on just 
you know, what I touched on with Romans four and how we, the faith that we have has to be in God and his word, the saving power of Christ. And, you know, you mentioned even about how it's in Christ, second Timothy one nine, you know, that it's always, it's never apart from Christ. Grace is only available, only possible, only access by and through and in Christ. We just, as children of God, when we reflect on our salvation, again, we can't look at it. Look how good I've done. I've, Boy, God's lucky to have me. You know, he's he's lucky. I've attended every service for 50 years in a row. And that that is so bad. That is that's not when we've done when we've done all that we can do, we're still unprofitable servants. You know, we we we're to look at ourselves as servants of God who are glad to serve God, who again do not see our service to God as a wage. We see it as fulfilling God's word because we have faith in him. We know his power and we trust and we obey his authority. We Absolutely. just can't shirk his authority. But on the other hand, we cannot shake a fist at his sal- at his salvation, his his sacrifice, his son. I mean, you know, obedience didn't die on the cross for us. Obedience Absolutely. is necessary, but it didn't die. Baptism is necessary, but it but it didn't die on the cross for I didn't die on the cross for myself. Jesus did. Let's get the proper order. If, if we understand and believe the person, then we will believe the, the message of that person, his process. I like the P word, keep it with P's. (laughs) Trust the person. If we trust the person, we'll trust his process. Absolutely. I would, um, you, the kind of the beginning of your statement was like, is it, how would I maybe, how would I respond to that? Or what would I say? I just, you know, you mentioned Romans four and I would encourage us to keep reading there and, and, and put the exclamation on Romans four with Romans five, one and two. This says, therefore being justified by faith. And this is exactly what you explained about Romans four, those first few verses. Romans five begins, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And friend, that's exactly what we said about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. God extends his grace, absolutely. How then do I become the recipient of that grace? Is it that I do nothing? No, I said that uh, I believe that God is teaching there in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that you must have faith to access his grace. Yep. Paul said as much here in Romans chapter five, verses one and two. Yeah. The the bookends of Romans are interesting. You know, at the beginning of Romans, Paul wrote through him, verse five, chapter one, verse five, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. <laughs> that was the purpose of his apostleship so that people would obey the faith. And, and you know, at the end, the bookend of Roman, the very end of it, Romans 16 26, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. And I've heard people, some people say, well, that means obedience to our faith that leads to obedience. But yeah, exactly. It's faith yeah. that leads to obedience. That's, that's faith. Yeah. Faith is the action that we take based on what we believe. I mean, that's, yeah. that's simple. You know, let's, let's don't deny that. And, and how it ties right in with trusting trusting the great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave these details, who gave the process, Absolutely. the message. Absolutely. Know. It all comes from God. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, it a true understanding of grace. Uh, let me rephrase it. A biblical scriptural understanding of grace makes it so much sweeter. Mm-hmm. It is like drinking from the most refreshing fountain and makes the words of the song so much better. Amazing grace, how sweet the yeah. sound. Yeah. Uh, because we could not be saved without God. Yeah. But he's given us a way to be saved. It's not by saving ourselves. It's not by earning the wage, as you mentioned. Uh, well, not that you mentioned that Romans 4 talks yeah. about. But it's by saying, God, I trust you. Yeah. You are trustworthy, yeah. and I trust you. Whatever yeah. you say, however you say it, yeah. I love you enough. I trust you enough to do that. Yeah. Because I know that you will not offer something that's untrue or that's not what you said it is. You know, God is not that sort of a person uh, or being. Uh, and so it just makes it so much greater, man. Uh, and Amen. we've not even, we've really just scratched the surface. There's so much more we could talk about, but I, I know. know we've, we've exhausted know. our time today. Hopefully what we've said has been clear, uh, has been scriptural, which I believe it is. But for those who may be listening, I hope it's been informative and encouraging. Amen. Yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Is there any any loose end or something that we left out that you want to say? I didn't. I, you know, we you get excited on these podcasts, and I didn't. You know, may I unintentionally cut you off at some point. Is there anything else that you like? No, said, a loose end. I, I, man, there, there's so much more I, I would love to say, yeah. but I, I think we probably, at least on the things that we mentioned, yes, we we covered it well, uh, yeah. and and gave the idea that a healthy understanding of God's grace gives us great peace and consolation and comfort. Um, uh, I I think we covered it all um, as much as we could. I'll say that within the time restraint. I think you said this at the beginning or you said this preliminary before when you and I were setting up the, you know, the process to, to record this. Yes. You mentioned about how we don't need to talk about God's grace and immediately say, but Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, God's yeah. grace is so great, but you got to obey him. It's like, uh, okay, let's hold the horses for a couple minutes. You know, let's, let's talk about how great God's grace is. Let's talk yeah. about what it means. And yes, let's help people understand from the good news, how to access it. We dare not leave that out. It's just a matter of if we're not careful we can become imbalanced to where we mostly or only talk about how to access it. And I think the reason why is because Satan is so often attacking how to access it. Yeah. Because if he can attack and he can prevent people from accessing it, those people can share in the same misery and the same faith that he has or, or a similar fate anyway. Uh, so, similar, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we should never, yes. yeah, but scripture, right? Never. Um, right. I, I had a very well-meaning individual do that once. We looked at and and simply read without comment Ephesians two eight nine, uh, yeah. and the individual said, "Yeah, but Hebrews two eight nine says that with Jesus, the author of eternal salvation, to all those that yeah. obey Him, so you got to yeah. obey." And yeah. there is no yeah, but to any passage of scripture, right. it is amen to God be the glory That's for right. every single verse in scripture. 
Well, we didn't talk about this, but we could look at, you know, because this wasn't a complete exegesis of, of, of Ephesians 2. Sure. If you look at the account of how they became Christians in Ephesus in chapter 19, it included them being baptized in, by the authority of Christ. You read so, Acts so, 19. Yes. Yeah, Acts yes. 19. Sorry. So whatever yeah. being saved by grace through faith is, that's that's what it looks like. You know, when you look over there at Acts 19, you see these people who believed in Jesus and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Again, oh, it's, yeah. it's descriptive, yeah. not prescriptive in Ephesians. Yeah, too. and uh, he, he all he's talking, and notice he's he's not talking to uh, to uh, wicked people. Ephesians one begins to the saints, yeah, and to the faithful. Where in Christ, he's talking to saved people, That's right. and he's making several statements about their current situation. Yeah, you are saved by grace. Uh, well, how did that happen? And, and in verse, you know, 1, 13, 12 and 13, they trusted in Christ. Yep. They put their faith in him. And whom also you trusted after that, how they have their trust in him? They heard the word of truth. What's the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. Yep. And when they heard it, what they do? You mentioned that earlier. What they do with that information? They believed it. Yep. And so, you know, just looking. And again, no commentary. Yep. Just Acts, what's the Bible say? Acts nineteen five. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's you know. Acts what, eighteen and nineteen demonstrate. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, 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 Ephesians demonstrates they heard and they believed. Uh, Acts or eighteen and nineteen demonstrate that they uh, confessed, repented, and were baptized. Yep. Yep. And so you have it all right there. Yep. And, and it's just you know kind of put the scripture together, uh, and that's why he's able to tell these people who are saints who are faithful in Christ, or who are saints, who are faithful and who are in Christ, yep. he's able to tell them you're saved by grace. Well, how did that happen? Well, remembering that grace does involve obedience, Genesis 6. We look at the passage in its totality with his interaction with the church in Ephesus, and we see what they did to be able to be in that category. Maybe we could sum it up by saying grace requires obedience, but that, but that obedience must be preceded by the fact that grace demands the right attitude. You know, that, that's that's the thing. Yeah. You know, grace yeah. teaches yeah. us and it requires that we have the right attitude. We sure. don't we it's not a, we don't work as a wage. We don't don't earn it. You don't demand it. You understand yeah. that it's a free gift that God is graciously giving. And here's his process. Here's yeah. how you contact the death. Here's how you say here's how you contact the saving merits of Jesus death. Absolutely. You yourself are, are died of sin and repentance. You're buried. You bury a dead man. You don't bury alive people. And that's the, that's the thing. You, you don't get baptized to show you're saved because in baptism, you're buried into death. You, you don't bury alive people. You bury people that are dead and you raise someone alive. Romans there six, three and four. Brother, I, I've enjoyed it so much. I appreciate you being on here with me. Man, pleasure has been mine. Thank you and, for uh, uh, all your work, man. I appreciate that you do this. I know it can be uh, tiring to you know do the work and put the effort together to plan these and to get the um, guests involved and to do all the studies involved in your local preaching, teaching, and this podcast. So I appreciate what you do, man. Thanks yes, for being part of it today. Thank you so much. And for those that are listening, uh, this is the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And it's on, It's I call it the Aaron J. Dodson podcast because you go to Podbean, you go to Spotify, and that's how you look it up. It's originally started through my name. I originally started calling it the Give Me Understanding podcast. But uh, many, many months later, I realized, well, I've never changed the name of the podcast. It's just under my name. It's easier to find it. People know my name. So it's under my name and it is technically a work of the congregation here. 
the congregation at Washington Avenue supports the, not only me as an evangelist, but they, they support and they pay for the Podbean channel. So this is the work of the congregation here and uh, want our members and others to know that. Um, and so I have a hundred, I think I noticed the other day, this, I think this will be episode maybe 163, something like that. I've had 163 episodes uh, that I've done through the Podbean channel there. And I'm thankful to the Washington Avenue congregation for that. And we get a good bit of interaction and feedback because of that, different individuals listening. And so go online. If you like this podcast, uh, go on there and check out the others and do me a favor. The biggest thing that would help me uh, through this Podbean channel is for those that have managed to stay with us this length of time. That means you're, you're, you're invested. You, you believe in what I'm doing. You think it's good share the episode with others. This is one of the best things that you can possibly do. It will help others to see it. It'll get it out there, you know, social media in various places, get it out there so others can see it and they can interact with it. On Podbean, uh, you can like the episode. There is a like button if you look closely. And on Podbean, you can rate my podcast. As of now, I have no ratings. No one's rated me. And that, that's okay. I'm not upset because I haven't ever asked anybody to do that. But I'm thinking that would help in the algorithms. So if you would, if you're listening to this, go to, you know, uh, Podbean and also to the Spotify. And if you go to Spotify, again, you can rate the Podbean uh, the, the podcast through that venue. And that would probably help us and others seeing the material as well. Thank you so much for listening to this. Thanks again, Stephen, for being on. And God bless you, and we will catch you next time.